What's going on, everybody? This is Trey Wynn, and welcome into Chat 10 Sports. If you're new to us, find us at chat10sports.com to find more information about the guys, our podcast feed, social media pages, and of course, our most recent articles about all things Tennessee sports. But tonight, I'm going to be sitting down with Mr. Mike Herndon of the Music City Miracles. He's a writer there for them with Jimmy Morris and that crew. And he's also a co-host of the F-Words Pod football and other F-Words podcasts. Some fantastic guys over there. Make sure and follow them both on Twitter if you're not already. But Mike and I are going to sit down and discuss what he's seen through training camp, what's impressed him, what's stuck out, and some other important topics for the Tennessee Titans. And towards the end, we are going to actually get to know Mike a little bit more with some fun rapid-fire questions. But before we do that, do me a favor and make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Leave us a fun review, and I would definitely appreciate that. But without further ado, lock it in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, everybody. I'm joined here with Mr. Mike Herndon of Music City Miracles. He is Mike Miracles on Twitter. Uh, Mike, how are you doing today, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. How are you? Good, good. I'm just wrapping up the Monday. got the... The kids getting settled in for the evening with dinner and then probably some baths later, but uh, we'll see if we can <laughs> make our time <laughs> worth it so my wife doesn't kill me completely, but <laughs> I appreciate you, you I appreciate you coming on, man. How's, uh, man, it's been, a, it's been, I, I've covered and I've kind of um, kept up with the Titans and kept up with you for quite some time, but tell me, man, I, yeah. what's this season been like now that you, I know you recently, for everyone listening who doesn't know this, you got the credential for training camp. What's that been like, man? How's everything looking at the at the training camp? Yeah, so uh, the Titans were gracious enough to uh, to give me credentials for like I think it's four four practices this year, which is is awesome. Um, it'll include the two Patriots practices, which I'm really excited about. But, yeah, but yeah, it's been it's been cool. I try to go to uh, some of the open practices as well when. Uh, I don't have credentials for it, but I can still get in and right. uh, kind of stay stay behind the the fence and uh, still kind of take some notes and stuff like that and uh, share them with everybody. But yeah, it's uh, it's been cool and um, it's always hot as hell out there, but it's yeah. uh, it's good and and I really enjoy kind of watching the team during this time of year because I feel like you get to kind of see like the whole thing come together, you know. It, yeah. Kinda, the, the the beginning of what will be, you know, a good year, a bad year, who knows, but you get to kind of see it from, from the start. So do you think, I mean, it, it, with that topic coming up, as far as being able to see how good this team can be, can you tell a big difference between now and a few years ago? Um, I can definitely tell from, so from last year to this year, I think it's a pretty marked difference, obviously with Vrabel being a rookie head coach last year and, them installing a brand new offense, brand new defense. Everything was kind of in install mode at this time last year. And right. this year, it feels like they're really kind of – I mean, they're working on more advanced stuff. They're working on, you know, details and, and tweaks and things like that, not not so much when we call this, this is what we mean. So I, I think it's a noticeably smoother operation yeah. this time – compared to this time last year. Um, so I think that's a positive. Yeah, and obviously the big conversation going into 2019 is for Marcus Mariota. Um, but I wanted to see you know, just your take. What has stood out to you? Obviously, and for everyone who doesn't know, Mike is uh, a co-host for F-Word Pods, which is 
you know, we've had Lebowski on to talk some some Game of Thrones. I think we've talked to, to Zebo as well to try and get him on. But um, yeah. what's it been like for you? I mean, obviously, you guys did a pretty awesome job of just breaking down film. I know the YouTube channel and Titans Film Room, you have kind of gotten together on some of those things. But what stood out yeah. as far as, I mean, guys that are slipping back and guys that are stepping up? Is there anybody in particular that's really impressed you this year? So um, starting with a guy that, that I think has kind of stepped to the forefront, and we've heard his name quite a bit here just recently now um, with this, but it, it's well earned. It's Khalif Raymond. He's a guy that was not even on my radar. I mean, he's he was with the team, I think, late last year um, on the practice squad, and then they signed him to a futures contract at the end of the year, which you know is kind of typical for for everybody on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's back this year, and he's making a push to to get some real consideration for the fifty three man roster. He's kind of kind of like Cam Batson uh, is is kind of how I would describe him. Shorter guy, quick, um, has a lot of high end speed, and he's made a lot of plays in camp. He's he's really kind of taken a step forward, and I don't know if it it'll end up getting him all the way there. But the fact that he's kind of in the mix for a, a spot on the roster is more than what I think most uh, most people were expecting from him heading into camp for sure. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I know a lot of people are talking about Anthony Ratliff Williams, and they're kind of hoping for that yeah. that guy. But it's it's good to see, you know. It's always fun, and I know a lot of people who are, I mean, really into it, really keep up with the EF, uh, you know, undrafted free agent guys. But um, I did not expect that for Khalif, you know, Raymond. Uh, obviously, with well, like you said, Cam Batson going down, it'll be really intriguing to see who gets that spot. And it's a rarity, obviously, for all Titans fans listening to have this kind of depth at wide receiver. But I think my biggest thought is for the defensive line, interior defensive line, uh, Jarrell's currently on pup. Um, obviously, I've heard some good good things about Mac Dickerson, um, Frank Herons. You know, right now, obviously, because I think Jeffrey Simmons um, is is on you know pup as well. But for Frank Heron to get in there, Brent Urban, from what I've seen, you know, there's some there's some movement happening. Uh, Daquan mm-hmm. Jones is in that that starting uh, you know the nose tackle role. Um, yeah. Tell me about Matt Dickerson. I feel like Matt Dickerson's a guy that's been kind of turning some heads. He showed up a little bit heavier. Um, have you yeah. seen much from him to really, you know, turn ahead? You know, it's it's sometimes kind of hard to evaluate offensive and defensive line play too much at camp just because it, it from the angles that you have down at field level, you just kind of see a bunch of bodies in there. Yeah, it's hard okay. to make out who's who. But I will say that, that Dickerson has been getting a lot of work with the first team. Um, obviously, with Casey out, with Simmons uh, not expected to be available until midseason at the earliest. Yeah. You know, that there's there's a little bit more opportunity there for a guy like that. But like you said, he's he went from – I think he came in at 292 last year. He's up to 308, which is a pretty decent-sized yeah. jump. And he looks like a guy that, that's got some pop in his hands and, and can – make some plays in the backfield so and I, I thought he flashed a little bit in preseason last year to be honest with with some of his pass rush skills and stuff like that I wouldn't be entirely shocked if he ends up being one of the guys that you see rotating in on third downs to rush next to Jarrell Casey on the inside you know yeah. you're gonna see Evans and guys like that on the inside too in, in those situations but I think Dickerson could could get some run there as well yeah and this is the I mean I think somebody was talking about it maybe the guys on midday 180 were talking you know this is the time of the year everybody's undefeated it's always fun to to predict and you know uh 
just everyone's going to go win the Super Bowl right now. But at the same time, right. this is a this is a fun time, and you know, obviously, Hard Knocks is about to start up in the next few weeks, and it'll be really intriguing to see these these you know position battles and guys that are on the peripheral get get their foot in and, and make some. Uh, make some noise, but what do you think? And I'm looking just for everybody listening as well. We're looking at the unofficial uh, depth chart uh, that was released by the Titans today. Just want to keep it in mind. Obviously there's some, there's some guys uh, that are not in their usual spots or behind some other guys, some younger guys. Uh, so we'll keep that kind of in the uh, the back of our mind as we look at this thing. But just some first initial things. Uh, Rashawn Evans is ahead of Wesley Woodyard. Uh, him and Jayon both are starting. Um, what really stood out to you as far as this unofficial depth chart um, that kind of that kind of surprised you? So I guess a couple things. The first thing that that jumped out to me was Taewon Taylor being listed as one of the starting receivers, and the fact that the Titans decided to list the base offense as eleven personnel, which is something that they haven't done in the past. Now, you know, obviously Vrabel talked about it today during the press conference. He just he really dismisses any sort of importance to be put on any of this but yeah. um you know somebody did sit down and think about it and and write it out and they chose to go 11 this year instead of 12 which is what they did last year so maybe that is a shift in their thinking um or as i as i mentioned on my little write-up this morning or uh, i guess this afternoon about it you know, it may have just been as simple as they didn't want to have their nine million dollar a year free agent receiver uh, listed as a backup on the first depth chart that comes <laughs> right. out. So, you know, and, and that's typically where like your quote unquote slot receiver spot would show up if you were listed in twelve. So, I mean, I, I I don't know how much to read into that, but the Taylor thing, Taylor being over Sharp, is really um, kind of confusing to me because we've seen Sharp all training camp working with the ones uh, clearly working ahead of Taylor in the rotation Mm -hmm. sharps a year, you know, more senior than Taylor is. So it's not a seniority thing there. So I'm, I'm really kind of interested to know why that got flipped on there. Cause you know, sharps listed even on the same line. So it's not even like a different considering that a different position. So I, I, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by that, but I, you know, again, that may just be, Nothing, and we come out and see Taiwan uh, back relegated with the backups when the season starts. But it, yeah. it's interesting to see. Part of me wonders if it's something to try and motivate Tajay to go to that next level. Um, obviously, Saturday he was uh, at the Titans kickoff party. He had a really good night. Um, Taiwan, it's amazing how a guy of such talent with his speed, I feel like his routes are solid. You know, his yeah. inability to catch and not jump and, and not lose his feet. It's it's something I think that the guy, especially with Adam Humphreys kind of being in that same not you know, I know he's Taiwan's been the the deep threat guy and Humphreys has been more the slot guy. But yeah. Um it'll be really intriguing for me just to see with Corey Davis, it's you you, you kind of have the stereotypical, prototypical guys as far as the X, Y, and Z that you would want to see line up. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and go out there for Marcus Mariota. Um, obviously today, Mariota had a, a bit of a maintenance day, uh, and Vrabel did talk about how it's, again, nothing to be concerned about for Tannehill to get the one uh, reps with the ones. Um, but what do you think as far as, I mean, there's been so much conversation about this, um, but in your opinion, what does Marcus have to do? Um, I'm thinking he'll get franchise tagged unless he just goes out and just craps the bed. Uh, but what do you think he has to do to really impress to get either another shot or uh, uh, climb the Mount Everest and get the extension this year? 
I think the biggest thing is staying healthy um, first and foremost. Because, I mean, even if he has a great season and he's playing really well, but he still goes down for four weeks with some, you know, a hamstring or whatever it might be, I just feel like you're going to look at that if you're John Robinson. You can't help but look at it and go, all right, I've had this guy for five years. He hasn't played 16 games once. Mm-hmm. You know, how can, how much can we rely on him? moving forward and if we pay you all that money and you're only on the field and you're not on the field for every game then you know we're we're really not getting our money's worth here. right um so I, I think health is first and foremost but the second thing is really just the offense has to put up points and i i don't know that it matters whether it's rushing the ball or passing the ball that leads like if derrick henry goes off for some crazy season and you know they're putting up points and Marcus is doing enough to keep the box clean for, for Henry. I think, I think that's fine. And Marcus doesn't have to throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns to get the extension is the offense has to move and operate efficiently and score points. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about getting points on the board anyway. So, right. So that's, that's the intrigue for me is if I know a lot of people were throwing out stats and we want 30 some touchdowns and this many yards, but I just want to see the guy go out there and win games and, you know, do what he does well uh, in the times that he can have. I think with the upgraded offensive line as well, it takes some pressure off him and allows uh, Derrick Henry to kind of uh, shine where he can shine as well. Um, but I did want to ask you, obviously, with the unofficial depth chart, um, one surprise for me is seeing Nate Davis as the third string right guard uh, behind uh, Jamil Douglas and then uh, Kevin Penfile right now is starting. Yeah. Um, but who do you see being the starting offensive line against the Eagles on Thursday? you think it'll be that same crew or they might move it up in that first few series? Yeah, I, I, I have the feeling that Thursday we're probably going to see Kelly, Saffold, Jones, Pomfiel, and Conklin as the starting five. That's kind of what we've seen the most of in, uh, in camp so far. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting because Davis – you know, obviously the the situation's extremely fluid right there at, at right guard right now because they've got they've had Pomfiel uh, as a starter one day, they've had Jameel Douglas as a starter one day, they've had um, Nate Davis as a starter a couple days, they've had um, uh, Levin starting at center and bumping Jones to guard one day. So I mean, they've tried out a lot of combinations there, and I think it's going to yeah. be a battle that kind of goes. In, well into uh, the preseason. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing Pomfield gets the first crack uh, with the ones just like he did at the beginning of training camp. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe slides over to left tackle and then you see Davis come in or, or mm-hmm. Jamil Douglas or whoever it may be. And for what it's worth, Jamil Douglas has been working mostly ahead of Davis um, in most practices, obviously the, the practices where Davis has been in there with the ones are, are exceptions to that. But, um, yeah, I think Douglas is a guy that, that is kind of like Khalif Raymond surprisingly in the mix, but, um, mm-hmm. he's, he's been around and, uh, they seem to like him. So, yeah, that was the one thing that kind of shocked me was like, one, who is this guy? And then two, <laughs> is it just something that they're putting him in there to see what he can do at that level since he's kind of impressed? Um, but yeah, I think, uh, like you said, it'll be kind of shaken out and, 
see what comes of it through them. But um, as far as the Tennessee Titans organization, you know, I, I've been vocal about this, and I think other people are very, you know, on, on the same page. Obviously, the Titans have had a very dysfunctional run in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams Strump has come in. She's officially the person uh, running the ship. John Robinson's in, Vrabel's in, which it's probably got to be the best combination um, in quite some time. But what yeah. do you think the best thing and the worst thing the Titans have going for them right now? Um, as far as from a franchise level perspective, I, I think that that trio of Amy Adams Strong, John Robinson, and Mike Vrabel that you mentioned is is the best <laughs> thing that they've got going for them because. You know, they, they built – John Robinson's built a pretty good roster. And, you know, even if you want to ding him for a few of his picks, and obviously nobody bats a 1,000 um, as a GM. And, and the, the second round of the 2016 draft looks worse and worse by the day. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, I mean, on the whole, you've got to say, like, if you look at the 2019 Titans roster and then look at the roster he inherited when he walked in the door, uh, it, what – January 2016 it is <laughs> night and day different um, oh, yeah. as far as the talent level so he has done a lot on the whole to just improve the roster improve the talent level and uh, you know I think the early returns on Brable were good too and and I think Amy Adams Strong has been more aggressive and more generous with her her money um, than her father ever was um, right you know, the, just the, the thing uh, John Glennon wrote recently in The Athletic about the new cafeteria and, and their emphasis on having guys comfortable eating there so that they spend more time at the facility, that kind of thing. I mean, the Titans famously pinched pennies on all of those things for years and years and years under Bud. And now you're seeing the renovations to the weight room, the renovations to St. Thomas Sports Park, the renovations to the, the cafeteria, even some of the stuff at, at Nissan Stadium that it sounds like they're – considering you know kind of sprucing up um it it seems like she's invested in really making this a professional a high level professional football organization instead of one that's just meeting the bare minimum of nfl standards you know yeah it's funny i went saturday to the kickoff party my brother and i did and i walked up you know we we drove in and it's you know kind of nighttime the lights are kicking on and the place just popped. I mean, maybe they put another paint coat on, and you know, you can definitely tell there's some there's some life uh, kind of being breathed back into that place because. Yeah. And this is something too, just to kind of branch off this conversation here. But I know Amy Adams Shrimp told the guys on the midday 180 last week as far as you know, she loves the stadium. Um, I'm not sure if she's trying to pinch pennies there as far as avoiding building a whole new stadium, but she did talk um, just about, you know, how she likes uh, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Yeah. You know, it has the uh, – I don't know if it's 100% of a retractable roof or if it's just an opening, but yeah. what do you think about the potential of either them building onto it or do you think they should just go ahead and knock it down and start fresh from scratch? I mean, as much as I would love for them to have like a football palace here. And I mean, I, I lived in Dallas for, for a few years and went to several Cowboys games and that place is, it's unbelievable going to a game at Cowboys stadium or AT&T stadium, whatever it's called now uh, Mm -hmm. versus going to a game at Nissan stadium. It's like, you're going to a totally different level of a sporting event. But (laughs) that being said, I, I mean, I don't know that the Titans have to have that. And honestly, Nissan Stadium isn't a bad stadium. You know, it's definitely not what I would consider like a dump. It's it's in a great location. 
Um, so if you did build a new one, you'd either have to find a way to have them have a temporary home while they knock down Nissan Stadium and rebuilt in that spot or find a new spot. And there's only so many of those spots in that kind of downtown footprint that, that would be big enough to host a, a gigantic football stadium. So um, my, my thought is that I, I'm, I'm, this is probably unpopular, but I, I think sprucing it up, trying to add some shade to protect from the elements for fans, because I mean, let's be honest, September games are kind of miserable in there when it's 95 degrees and you can't get out of the sun and, you know, <laughs> that plastic is like yep. melting the seat around you. Like it, it's, it's kind of awful at, at times. So if you could get a little bit right. more shade in there and, you know, maybe keep the rain off of people later in the season when it's cold, that kind of thing. Um, I think that would go a long way. And, you know, you could still have a nice stadium and I've always been, I guess, a traditionalist in the f- sense that I like watching football when it's being played outside and on real yeah. grass and not field turf and all this other junk. So I, I kind of like the idea of just keeping Nissan stadium and continuing to spruce it up and add, add different elements and, and make it nicer. But there's nothing wrong necessarily with the bones of the stadium. Yeah. And I know this just for everybody listening as well. This was a little bit of a, a while ago, but the conversation for a new slogan, uh, you and I yep. both chimed into the conversation. I think your breakdown and ideas for the stadium were awesome. If they went that route, um, you know, and kind of doubled down on the the Roman Greek warrior uh, you know, kind of theme. I think it would be great for everything having, I mean, hell you put off, you know, five or six different things just for the stadium alone. I thought were awesome, but um, but yeah, I mean, my thing is obviously we can put a party on with the draft. The, the, uh, you know, uniform reveal party was awesome, but I think the next goal for Amy Adams strong, just as an owner to put Nashville on the map, all the more is just to be able to host the, uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think it would be kind of chaotic for them to, you know, find a play. If they went to, some people were saying go to Vanderbilt and play a few games at Vanderbilt for, you know, for a season, it's like, nah, they they've got what they need. They just, you know, need to need to step it up a little bit there. But yeah. um, let's get back to some players here. Obviously, I wanted to ask you, um, David Fluellen, been a huge popular, you know, guy as far as the flu season's full, <laughs> you know, in full swing. Oh yeah. Um, which I love to see him. And, and Vrabel's been very vocal as just for everyone on the roster saying how you treat the team is how the team team's gonna treat you. Um, but what's the plan with Fulwillen? Obviously, he's put on what fifteen some pounds. Yeah. He's playing more fullback and H back. But is he is he that Luke Stocker fill in guy, or do you see it being kind of a uh, you know a committee uh, position? I think the plan is for him to be the the kind of Luke Stocker role, or I guess you know Luke Stocker did a few things for the Titans. One of which was was acting as a fullback. And then he also did some inline blocking and stuff like that, which I think they're kind of splitting that role between Michael Pruitt being the inline blocking tight end and then Fluellen being kind of the fullback, H-back kind of hybrid guy. And, I mean, he's up to 240 pounds, I think, now. So he's okay. I mean, that's a six-foot tall. So he's a, he's yeah. a, a thick-looking guy. And, you know, I got to see him uh, when I was out at, at camp, kind of up close and personal, and that dude is, is big. Um, but he's still moving around pretty well. They've, they've been throwing him some passes. They even like, I mean, they'll motion him out and split him out wide at times. So I think he's going to have a role on this team. I think he's got play more than he has in recent years. Uh, thanks yeah. to kind of the expanded 
capabilities that he's got. You know, he's he's also brings value on special teams. So that that dude does a lot, and I think he's going to be a Swiss Army knife kind of in the backfield that can serve in a lot of different roles, play a little bit, and also serve as an emergency tailback if you know Henry or or Lewis were to go down and you needed somebody to to breathe, give a breather to the other guy that was still out there. Right. My my immediate thought with Stalker and most Titans fans is the game in London. Uh, you know mm-hmm. the what fourth down run and Stalker went short. I think oh, the, just for those yeah. types of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could probably correct me, but um, I'm just thinking as far as Fluell and being the guy that can probably pull that off yes. uh, <laughs> a little bit better. Um, and even if, I mean, obviously play actions, Marcus is, you know, one of his, his more successful uh, schemes and kind of plans for the offense. And having him come out of the backfield, especially just, I mean, I remember obviously being a kid, Lorenzo Neal being the guy for those those early days, the Super Bowl run, those playoff runs mm-hmm. of just being that bruising fullback. Um, of course, some people want them to become, you know, the LA Rams and, and be this high, you know, high passing team, but I'm I'm okay with them being that running team first, yeah. but it's not a complete outright, you know, eighty or seventy thirty run first <laughs> mix. I think they're yeah. doing a pretty good job of balancing now. They just need what I think they have now is a solid team that could run the ball. But but speaking of bulking up, obviously a big conversation via Paul Kaharski. Uh Mario just put on some weight. Yes. Um this has been my thought from the beginning of it, and we can talk about, you know, this in and out, but Obviously, this is, what, fourth or fifth year going in, but why has it taken him so long to put on extra weight to try and avoid uh, injuries? So I know this was a conversation going back as long as the 2017 season because Mm -hmm. after uh, he broke his leg against Jacksonville, they had actually – the team had asked him, and I think Kaharski reported on this at the time, the team had asked him to come back to camp at 225 to 230 pounds. And Mariota and his trainer, uh, who I think is a guy that he worked out with in, at Oregon or something like that, um, I'm not sure if he's still working with the same guy or not. I haven't been able to figure that out. But um, the guy at the time, the trainer at the time, told him he really liked that he he thought Mariota played at his best around 215. Um, and his his comment was that he's lighter and more explosive and he's able to run away from pressure versus, <laughs> you know, absorbing hits. And I always thought that was such a ridiculous thought process. You know, I, I understand, you know, you want a guy to be sure Mariota can run away from a lot of defensive ends, but there are situations where he doesn't even have a chance to run. He's starting from a dead stop and this guy is closing on him from behind and he's moving. I don't care how fast you are or how light you are. You're not going to be able to get up and get out of the way of that dude. Sometimes you're just going to have to take a hit. There's no quarterback that's ever going to go through a season, no matter how fast he is without taking a hit. So um, I always thought it was an arbitrary premise that they were kind of basing that decision off of. And Mm-hmm. It seems to me like, you know, the Titans probably, you know, this is speculation, of course, on my part, but it feels like they probably approached him this past season and said, hey, we've tried it your way for a couple of years and it hasn't really worked out very well. Let's try it. My, let's try it our way this year and, and see exactly. what happens. Um, and I, I think that's probably where they're at. And, you know, obviously heading into the last year of a contract, uh, Mario just probably pretty motivated to to go ahead and give them what they want and see, yeah. see how it works. 
Yeah, it's funny because it seems like, you know, the back's up against the wall playing that. But, I mean, it seems like there – I don't know if there's a lack of trust with the, the, the changes in offensive coordinators and head coaches and things like that. But it's just something to me – I'm a bigger guy. You're a bigger guy. But I'm thinking yeah. if I'm that size, and especially in nowadays game where pass rushers are coming off the edge, I mean, just for the future, I mean, forget how you're playing. Yeah. Just for the sake of your own, you know, everything uh, as far as health from brain health to legs, you know, all of it. Yeah. Obviously, his ulnar nerve took a beating last year, but it's kind of doing him a disservice, which I would assume <laughs> if he's gone through last year and, and especially the list that Paul Koharski put out of all of his injuries. Yeah, it was crazy. Might, might, might be time to move on from the guy that advised him otherwise. Uh, but, exactly. Um, but one more Titans topic here. I wanted to ask you, it's been a conversation – um, as far as Austin Johnson not panning out from that 2016 draft class for John Robinson. Um, but Daquan Jones is a guy that's obviously, uh, for anyone who's keeping up with um, you know, the money matters of the Tennessee Titans and cap space, he's getting paid, uh, what, $10 million, I think, or 7 to $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not confident in saying he's putting out that type of product on the field as far as being worth that. But do you think that his job is safe going into 2019 and beyond? I, I'd say it's safe for this year, um, simply because with with Simmons still, you know, they don't know when they're going to get him back. They they need some more depth there still on the defensive line, even with Urban uh, and uh, Dickerson kind of stepping up. Um, I think Daquan Jones is. I think their plan for him is is that he'll be their primary nose tackle when they're in base defense, which they're not in base defense that much, so it, it's not a huge uh, role there. But I think we'll also see him a little bit on uh, some of their hybrid uh, like nickel nickel packages and stuff like that. I think he's going to play a good bit, and there's been some encouraging stuff from him. You know, apparently we've heard a lot about Harold Landry and his. Uh, right. work ethic over the off season. Well, the guy he was in Nashville training with was Daquan Jones. And apparently mm-hmm. they kind of formed a pretty good bond and, and have pushed themselves, pushed each other uh, in the weight room and, and really kind of made each other better for it. And I thought Jones has looked pretty good in camp. I've, I've tried to watch him a little bit and see if he looks any different. Um, and you know, again, like I, I mentioned before with the Dickerson thing, it's, it's kind of hard to tell in the trenches, but from what I've seen of, of Jones, I thought he's looked pretty good. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm encouraged that he's at least going to give them, he's at least a good run defender. It, it, you know, he, he, whether or not he can pass rush is the big question for him. Um, but I think he's at least a good run defender on the defensive line. And uh, that that should give him a role on this team, at least for this year. Now, next year, they can move on from his contract a lot less uh, without with less yeah. financial penalty. And they're going to be facing a lot of tough contract decisions. So um, if he doesn't really take an, another step this year, I think it'll be hard for them to justify paying him at that level next year. But I, I think for this year, he's fine. Yeah, and, and as far as Simmons coming back, I'm a guy that, you know, I would love to see him take his time and even shoot for, you know, that last stretch after the bye week of week 11, yeah. come back week 12. I don't know if that's realistic, but just I know I have a couple of friends of mine that are, you know, physical therapists, and um, they're just saying, you know, the usual time frame can be anywhere from, what, seven to ten months mm-hmm. uh, is kind of what I heard yeah. uh, as far as the best time frame to 
injury or even some guys deal with the opposite knee having the same issue. Right. Um, but do you think that Simmons should come back this year or just do you think pull him out and wait until 20 or 2020? I think a lot of it will depend on kind of where the Titans are at uh, when it com- when he starts to get close because I, I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to start the season on the on the pup list, and that means you know he's out the first six weeks, and then you've got a you've kind of got I think six weeks after he after those first six weeks to activate him. Um, so it's gonna it'll put them right in that that time frame of like you said like I think it's like week eight to week twelve I think is the window that if you're going to activate him, that's probably the time that you'll see it happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to come down to, are the Titans in contention? I mean, if the team's sitting at four and eight, you know, say disaster happens and they're just not very (laughs) good or they lose a bunch early. um, If the team's sitting at four and eight, I think you shelve him and say, all right, better luck in 2020. Uh, We'll just make sure that you're ready to go. But if the team's kind of right there, six and six or, you know, sitting on the the edge of the playoff race, um, I think you you almost as long as you your doctors don't think that re injury is a major concern. If they think they're out, then I think you got to put them out there and see if he can give you a little juice down the stretch. Because you know we we talked about the schedule like a while back, but the four of those last six games are divisional games, including both right. of the Texans games and. You know, you're absolutely going to want that guy for those games. That can make a huge difference in the AFC South race if uh, if you get a healthy Simmons uh, from week what was it week twelve on. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that last stretch is going to be one. I mean, like you said, if they're in that spot, it's with the Saints. I think the the Chiefs. I think are earlier on, but I'm just thinking mm-hmm. there's some pretty damn good competition coming through that last little bit. And absolutely. It would be great to have him, even with the Daquan Jones. But I think uh, if if Simmons and I know most guys, you know, usually come back to usual form, but you never know. But um, I'd love to see him back if all the uh, the stars are aligned. Um, but uh, let's move on here from some uh, some Titans topics. Mike, you, you said did you grow up in Texas, or you? I think you went to college there, but did yeah. you? Nashville ties at all before that? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, in Nashville and lived here pretty much my whole life, um, or did live here my whole life until college. I went to Tennessee Tech for undergrad, and then shortly after, uh, I moved back to Nashville, worked for a couple of years, and then moved to Texas for a job, and uh, ended up getting my master's at University of Texas down there. So that's nice. that's kind of my connection there. But I uh, I lived in uh, Dallas, um, area and traveled back and forth to Austin for school for like, uh, four or five years. Um, so I, I enjoyed my time down there, but got to move back to Nashville in what was it, 2013. Um, and I've been here ever since and plan on sticking around. Yeah. Well, if my wife and I, we've, we've talked about taking some trips to Austin for the, the nightlife and everything. So we might have to hit you up on some, some recommendations there, man. Austin is a great city. Awesome food. Awesome. Uh, awesome nightlife down on sixth street down there. Um, I really, really enjoyed my time down there. So That's definitely, awesome. uh, would recommend it. Cool, man. Well, Hey, let's, let's jump into some of these questions I've got here for you. And for everybody listening, these are just random fire, rapid fire questions from Mike just to get to know him. But what piece of entertainment do you wish you could erase from your mind so that you could go back and experience it all over again? 
Um, it would have to be a movie, I guess. Well, or maybe a TV show. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple answers. So I'd love to be able to go back and watch Wolf of Wall Street again. Not, not having seen it before that, that movie, like I, it killed me and I, I would love to just be able to watch it. I still like rewatching it uh, almost as much as I did the first time, but you never can quite create that, that same experience. So right. that, and uh, for like a TV show, I would love to be able to go back and, and rewatch uh, uh, Mad Men from, from scratch. Cause that I've never show actually is just amazing. It. Dude, you've yeah. got to, it's so good. Well, I, I don't know if you're like Lebowski and you're a big Game of Thrones guy, but I was yeah. a little bit disappointed. And I'm thinking, man, I was a huge Breaking Bad guy. I loved the show yeah. start to finish. And I'm like, give me a show that has a good start and a good finish. And I've heard Mad Men is one of those. Yeah, um, so I'm going to have to put that on the shelf as far as getting that on, on the Netflix or the, uh, the, the interwebs or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, too, man, that's one I've – uh, my wife and I both will just quote that from time to time. But, uh, <laughs> yes, solid answers, Mike, solid answers. Yeah. Um, all right, this is coming from a guy. I wear uh, a fanny pack. I'm a, proud, <laughs> I'm a proud fanny pack wearer because I'm a dad of three, and when you got to have your stuff ready to go, it's the most functional thing. And especially for, I mean, hell, we'll go to Titans games, Braves games, and it's just the easiest thing to throw out to the security guys, check it, and give, me, yeah. give it back to me. Yeah. So. That's one thing that I hope comes back. Um, but what is a fad or a trend that you hopes come that you hope comes back? Um, I'd say maybe uh, Timberland boots. Uh, I'd like for uh, Timberland boots to come back because those were so <laughs> functional, like kind of like you the mentioned steel the toes. fanny pack. Yeah, it's like I could wear them for like whatever reason, like with anything. It's like you know you could just always wear Timberlands, but now you know nobody wears Timberlands anymore. But it's an old thing. Hey, it's, yeah. And I love the solid '90s, you know, trend. Not like a '80 or '80s or '70s trend, but yeah. uh, on, on the eat. same on the same uh, wavelength, uh, Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks were oh. incredibly, incredibly comfortable, and uh, I I miss being able to wear those. But my wife will not let me out of the house anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> probably for probably for your better. But hey, yeah, <laughs> gotta respect it. You grew up in Nashville. What what uh, what school did you go to? Uh, Overton High School. Nice. Okay, I was yeah. up the street in, in Burnwood, but probably yeah. should have gone to Overton, but uh, um, somehow <laughs> we got zoned into uh, zoned into Burnwood. But yeah, but yeah, cool, we, man. We would have liked to. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Overton. Don't get me wrong, but I, I wish I could have gone to Brentwood. Overton oh. was uh, Overton was all right, but but yeah, it was definitely not quite on the on the level as far as like facilities. Uh, we used to play oh, yeah. when we played Centennial. Centennial was pretty new back then. But we played Centennial in uh, basketball one year, and I went into the locker room, and I was like, my God, it's like a professional locker room. They had, like, TVs and stuff. Like, our locker rooms were literally built out of, like, wood that I'm pretty sure the coaches made, like, from – like, they went to Lowe's, just bought a bunch of wood and started hammering stuff (laughs) together and painted it red. It was Get some like, liquid nails, you'll be good. <laughs> exactly. It, they, everything was falling apart on like a daily basis. It was it was awful. So going yeah. up like to play at Centennial is like my God. Oh, <laughs> this man. is how That's... the other half lives here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could talk about Brentwood and Williamson County, just like defending myself. Like I am such a different person than the stereotypical Williamson County kid. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's cool that you're up the street from where we, we both grew up, man. That's, yeah, that's it was, awesome. It was but, a great uh, place to live uh, back in the day. 
Oh, yeah. But uh, all right. So next question. Uh, what's something you've been meaning to try, but you just haven't gotten around to? So there's probably like a hundred Nashville restaurants, I feel like, that I have been told are awesome and I've not gotten to go to yet. And, you know, part of it's probably my fault because I get caught in these like loops where it's like, you know, you find a place that you really like and then you're like, all right, let's go out to eat somewhere. It's like, man, I could really go for this from the, like from this place. And it's like, all right, we'll just go do that because I know that'll be good um, rather than like taking the risk and trying something new. But um, there's it feels like there's a new restaurant every week that opens oh, yeah. that's supposed to be awesome. And if I had to pick one, I guess that has been on my list for a while that I need to try. It's uh, Cane Prime. I've heard it's okay. amazing and, and I need to get by there and just do it. Is that a steakhouse? It is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've I've heard through the grapevine, you know, through I think Withrow uh, from Midday, he he came on my other podcast a while mm-hmm. back, and then we got to go down and, and hang out with them for a bit at the uh, SunTrust Park for the Braves with with the, the uh, one of four five the zone oh, nice. contest. But I think we talked about Kane Prime, and uh, yeah, that was that's one that uh, I've heard about, but it's like you know Ruth Crisp or my, my buddy calls it Ruth crisp with a P on the end, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, nothing like a good steak, but for anyone listening and for you too, Mike, for you and the, and the missus to go, my buddy uh, is from out of Chattanooga, um, went down to Atlanta for a bit, but they're actually opening a new Tex-Mex place in the Gulch or near the Gulch yeah. called Super Rica. And okay. for everybody listening, his name, the manager there, general manager is Drew Eccles. Uh, highly recommend them. Uh, my wife and I love them out of Atlanta, but now that Nashville's getting one, that might become our our new favorite spot to to go uh, awesome. in Nashville. I love um, I love Tex Mex too. Yeah, speaking of sitting down, brother, and, and having a meal, if you're sitting down at a restaurant or at a bar, what is your drink of choice? Um, so it probably depends on the the evening I'm trying to have. Yeah, um, but uh, if I'm just like hanging out with some friends and like uh, gonna take it easy, drink a few beers or whatever. Uh, my go-to beer is Gerst. Uh, it's a Yazoo uh, beer. It's kind of like I think it's it's a an original beer from the original Yazoo brewery that that was in Nashville. I think it's like Nashville's first brewery or something like that, but yeah. it's really good. It's like a nice Amber, uh, ale and it's, it's, uh, it's killer. It, I can't, I can't beat it. I've tried like a, a bunch of different stuff. Can't find anything I like better than, than Gerst. Um, but if I'm trying to like turn it up a notch and like, <laughs> you know, really go after it, I've really gotten into like old fashions recently. Um, Dude. and, uh, They've got one at uh, – I went to this bar called Snitch in uh, Printer's Alley, and uh, that was probably the best old-fashioned that I've had in Nashville yet. Um, that's, that's, awesome. that's a really good one. It's funny because uh, I grew up – you know, I've, I've, I've kind of born in – or I born and raised in a, in a conservative family, so it wasn't a huge – I guess it was an unspoken thing. You know, everybody, as you get older, it's like, hey, come on over and have a beer or a glass of wine with us. It's like, <laughs> wait, you drink? But um, – yeah. But I, you know, got into college, drank some beers, drank some shitty beers and some natty lights and all that kind of stuff, and then kind of got into the, the crafty stuff. But as of late, probably the last six months to a year, I've really started to, to put down some bourbon and buffalo trace. Mm-hmm. Um, but my brother and I, after the, the the kickoff party in Nashville, we went to Martin's, of course. Yeah, it's like one of my staples to go to. But uh, it's um, stuff. Had some Eagle Rare there, man, and it was just straight oh, up, yeah. you know, neat. Oh man, it was it was fantastic. But like, ugh, 
I could go eat some Martins right now, but that's um, actually Eagle Rare is the uh, bourbon that Travis Haney brought us on uh, his very first appearance on the F Words Pod. So uh, nice. that's Travis. I'm, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, Paul's bringing you know, what Pickers Pickers vodka. He, and then he did. He did. Yeah, got you. You got your hookups on some good liquor, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, I won't keep you too much longer. But uh, what are you interested in that most people have not heard of? Man, that's a tough. That's a pretty question. interesting. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm a pretty basic bitch, you know. <laughs> I'm just like I like the stuff. Like I like football. I like food. Um, you know, I like drinking some beer with some friends. You know, going fishing and that kind of thing. So like, I don't know. There's not. I'm trying to think what I'm into that's like off the wall. Um, well, you're a know. Texas fan now that they're back in, they're kind of building back up into uh, being a powerhouse, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very excited about this Texas season, which for living in middle Tennessee, that that's pretty rare that, uh, you know, that you have somebody that refers to UT and talks about Texas and, not, yeah. uh, the other <laughs> one. um, but I actually grew up a Tennessee fan, so I root for both, but, uh, that's Texas cool. is, is probably my, my primary team. And, uh, they uh they're gonna have a good year this year so yeah it's, uh, it be a fun one. it's funny how you know they go through their cycles and everything i'm hoping tennessee can kind of get you know back out of the the dark uh yeah. wooded area and come well, back into the light the funny thing is they mirrored each other for like the past decade i feel like because they you know it's yeah. like mac brown and phil former had a great run and then kind of tapered off towards the end and then they thought, all right, well, this guy just must have lost his touch and tried to replace him with somebody new, and it just failed miserably. Unfortunately, Tennessee's gone through a couple uh, failures. <laughs> a couple more in, in, in that In that run, and Texas kind of went Charlie Strong and then rebounded to Tom Herman pretty quickly. Uh, and it looks like Herman's <laughs> going to be the guy to kind of put them back in, in the, the where they, they believe their rightful spot is. So, um but yeah, hopefully Pruitt's the guy for Tennessee because I, you know, I I like watching good football, and unfortunately Tennessee has not played that in in a while. So mm. um, it hurts. It does. No. Well, well, man, I I appreciate you coming on here. I wanted to give you a second, just let everybody know. Uh, obviously, you're a great follow on Twitter. Where can everybody that. follow you on social media, and then just give a little plug for Music City Miracles and F F Word Pots as well. So I'm pretty much just on Twitter. I, I've got an Instagram account, but I, I don't do anything but post a random picture of like one of my dogs uh, once a month or something like that. <laughs> I'm really not good at Instagram. So just, yeah, check me out on Twitter. It's at uh, Mike Miracles. Uh, and then, um, you know, read my stuff on Music City Miracles. I've been writing a bunch lately. Um, we're kind of getting ramped up for the season. I feel like we've got a really good staff of writers for this year. Um, so I think it's uh, it's going to be really good coverage over there and then of course uh the f words pod uh check us out on twitter at, at f words pod and zach actually does a better job uh with the instagram not much better than me but a little bit better than <laughs> me uh and it's at f words pod over there as well so um check us out there and of course download you know check out the pod uh if you haven't already um just search for uh football and other f words on whatever pod podcast platform you use and you should be able to find us it's awesome, man. I'm I'm glad to be a part of the Titans Twitter fan community because there there are so many guys. You know, Titans film film room will give them a shout out as well. Yeah. You know, we try and be really interactive, but they've got a good enough core 
of a you know fan site fan you know vocalized i guess their opinions and whatnot we try to be that and yeah. kind of get in that same uh, same stream but i think Absolutely. you do a fantastic job i agree with paul kohersky as Vrabel calls him <laughs> uh that you are that you are doing a fantastic job just representing that fans can have a voice and, and not be complete homers <laughs> I, I try not to be uh, that's something like i've i've made a very conscious effort of like just not being full full on homer i try to like remove myself from it at least when i'm like writing something for analysis like on sundays when the team's playing i'm cheering for them just as hard as anybody um but when i sit down and write i want to write something that's like unbiased and not just you know if you just write a fluff piece about how everybody every player is the greatest player on you know that's ever grace the football field it's like well why'd they go nine and seven and not six yeah. and no last year you know so um yep yeah I try it's to that time it of the year <laughs> yeah everyone's thinking they're gonna go all the way but yeah keep it up man and uh, Appreciate uh hopefully we'll we'll hook back up with you guys maybe at a couple games we uh, we'll, we'll be at a few and uh, maybe we can go tailgate for a little bit or maybe go hit up some uh some good drinks with you guys but mike thanks again for coming on yeah, everybody thanks. go follow him and keep up with him and uh Mike, take it easy, brother. We'll check you next time, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, you too. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate you. All right. Well, that concludes my time with Mike Herndon, Mr. Mike Miracles on Twitter. Make sure and give him a follow. Check out Titans MCM and at FWordsPod as well to see what all he's into nowadays. But, folks, later this week, Chase Green and Kurt McKibben and myself will be back to discuss more things for Tennessee sports. Got some Tennessee Vols talk as the 2019 season approaches. And the Atlanta Braves are hot. They're still in first place in the NL East. So we'll be able to discuss those uh, those teams further on another podcast episode this week. But do us a favor. If you want to be a part of the podcast, give a call to 423-380-9096. Give us uh, your name and where you're calling from and whatever you've got. Your questions, comments, concerns about all things Tennessee sports. We will get you on the podcast and make you a part of this community. So thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you here shortly in just a few days with the rest of the crew getting back together. But check us out at chat10sports.com. Find all of our social media platforms, podcast feeds, and all of our most recent articles. Thanks so much for being a part of the Chat 10 Sports community. We'll check you next time.